Hello, and welcome to Birth of Family Church Podcast. We trust that you'll find an encouraging word to strengthen your walk with the Lord. And if you're visiting the area, or if you're looking for a good church home, come check us out at birthedfamilychurch.org. There you can find our location and service times. Thanks again for tuning in. God bless. We're going to get into the Word tonight. You got your Bibles? Let's get them open. We're going to continue talking about being led by the Spirit of God. And I think I mentioned this another time on this series that I wish I had heard this teaching years ago. Uh, It's so uh, fundamental, it's so practical, and it's so easily applied uh, to the leadings that we receive from the Lord. Hallelujah. And so let's go ahead and solicit his help. Hallelujah. Father, tonight I want to thank you for your abundant supply. We have an abundant supply from the Word of God, from the Spirit of God that lives in us, and the gifts, Jesus, that you've imparted to us and in us that will be in manifestation tonight. We accept your supply, and we say that you shall manifest yourself. You shall speak to us. You shall cause light to shine upon our hearts. And we choose to recognize it, cherish it, and walk in in the light of it in Jesus name amen well we've established in this study that it's the will of God to lead us and guide us in every I can't emphasize that enough every area of our life every decision that we make including what to put on in the way of clothes in the morning and what to eat where to work who to marry what church is the one that God made for you And that gift that he gave you in the way of a pastor, he wants to have a say in every area of our life because he is our daddy God. Amen? Amen. We talked about how you can break down leadings of the Lord. We've broken them into two categories. And I think you can relate to this. Number one, there is a low-risk leading, meaning that it's not not a lot of risk if you miss it in this area. And a low-risk leading requires less uh, witnesses and confirmations. And you can act quickly on that leading. And uh, what would be a low-risk leading, like what to have for breakfast, you know, what uh, store to go to today, things things that that if you miss it, it's not going to be that big of a deal. But you can use low-risk leadings to learn how to be more proficient in hearing and recognizing the voice and the leadings of the Lord. Remember I told you the story about finding my wife in a busy store. That's a low-risk leading. And I would just follow just based on the witness of the Holy Spirit. But by doing that, I was cultivating and developing getting familiar with his leadings. And then there are what we call the high-risk leading. And this is something we need to act slowly on. It requires more witnesses to confirm it. And a a high-risk leading would be who to marry, what career to pursue, uh, where where to live, 
uh, what church, what pastor to get under. These are high-risk leadings, and you act slowly, and you require the Lord to confirm to you that that is indeed him leading you to do that. And so there are practical principles that we can develop a confidence in being led by the Lord and understand that every leading should be judged. Don't just swallow every thought that comes to your mind that sounds good. And don't assume that everything that comes up to your mind and to your attention is God. You've got to begin discerning. And it teaches us to judge every leading here in 1 John 4, 1. We'll not read that, but I wanted to make that reference to you. Also, every leading should have a witness or multiple witnesses. Remember, with a low risk, you only need one witness, and that's the witness of your spirit with the Holy Spirit. But with a high-risk leading, you've got to have multiple witnesses, or could I use multiple confirmations? along with that inner witness of the Holy Spirit. And we see that in 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 1. I just wanted to give you that reference as well. Now tonight, we're going to review and get into the, four, the first four witnesses to confirm a leading of the Lord. The first four witnesses are primary and the most important. We already talked about the first uh, witness to a leading is the inner witness of the Holy Spirit. You have that reference, Romans 8, 16. The second witness is the witness of the Word of God. Scriptures will always confirm what God is leading you to do in your life. He'll never lead you to do something outside of the Word of God. It tells us in Psalm 119 105 that the word the bible god's book written to you is a lamp or an illumination unto our feet and it brings light unto our path when you hear references of of a, of a path or to your feet it's talking about decisions right if you're walking in a certain Direction, you've made a decision to go that way. It's a decision. And also a path is something that you're following. Those are decisions. We all follow our decisions. Acted on decisions have got us where we are in our life today. And so he says that the word is what brings illumination to our decisions. Consider God's word being his voice speaking into your life see too many of us look at the word of god and it just simply is a history book oh isn't that oh that was isn't that interesting how that happened oh look at this person look what happened to them it just becomes not only histor historical but it just becomes information that doesn't seem relevant to our life and that's not what the purpose of the word of god is at all it's God speaking to you and I in real time, helping us to make decisions that will put us on the path that he has for us. So following the word of God is the first place that we need to begin developing being led by the spirit of God. Going to church on a regular basis is just simply following the word of God. 
It says of Jesus that he was in the synagogue as it was his custom or his routine that he did consistently. The Bible says not to forsake the gathering together, not to forsake going to church. Well, you, you don't need a vision to, to show to you that you need to go to church. We've got the word to tell us. And when we begin following that word, then you start sensing his voice in your life in other areas. Because not the Bible will not always tell you directly things to do personally in your life. There's nowhere in this Bible I could find that I was to marry Marianne Colangelo. No middle initial. I, I, I couldn't find it. But as I was learning how to follow the word of God, then I sensed his leading in directing me to take her as my bride. Apart from receiving Jesus Christ as my Savior, it's the second most important decision I've ever made, and it's still paying unbelievable dividends in my life. One leading. One leading. And it's impacted my life for 44 years in a godly, positive way. But how did I get confidence in that leading? I was getting accustomed to do his voice by following the voice of the word. You see, the Holy Spirit wrote this book. He's the author. When you begin to follow the word of God, you're actually following the voice of the Holy Spirit, and that's the one who's bearing witness with our spirit. Amen. It, it, it all goes together. Hallelujah. Now listen to this statement. The more you and I hear the voice of God's word, the more we're going to recognize his voice in our heart. So the more word I'm exposed to, the more I'm developing in recognizing him and his leading. So that's getting us caught up from last time we were together. We're talking about the three witnesses that are our primary witnesses in being led by the Holy Spirit. Number one, Holy Spirit witnessing to our spirit on the inside, the voice of the word we're to follow. And, and, and if, I, if I go sideways to the word of God, how many of you know that that decision I'm making now is taking me out of the wrong direction that God has for me? Amen? Yeah. Amen? Now, the third witness is the witness of God's love. The witness of God's love. Go to 1 John chapter 4, and let's go to verse 7. Very familiar. We're instructed here as dear friends or covenant brothers and sisters in the Lord. 1 John 4, 7. Let us do what love one another... Because love comes from God, and everyone who loves, even though it isn't timely or doesn't feel like we should be loving someone, we do it because we are born of God, and we have his nature, and we have a relationship with him. We know him. And verse 8 says, the one who does not love apparently doesn't know God. And that's because God is what he is, love. Now, get a hold of this. This is just common sense when I make this statement. Since God is love, every leading of God, did you, did you hear that word every there? 
every leading of God will have love in it. Now, I thought that was good right there. I'm going to say that again. Now, see how easy we can judge things in terms of whether a leading is coming from the Lord? We start looking to see if it has love laced with that leading. And we'll, we'll, we'll describe that a little bit further, but I just want you to start to, to wrap your brain around that. Since God is love, that's his nature and that's now your nature. That's who God is and that's who you and I are in him. Every leading of God will have what? Love in it. So guess what? When God is lead, leading me, then the nature of love is leading me. Every time. Every time. Now, you saw in the Gospels that there are many scriptures that describe that Jesus was moved by compassion. Moved by compassion. He was directed by uh, compassion. He was led, directed by compassion. You see, when we come in contact with people every day, leadings will come up in reference to, to loving them. Even if we don't know them. I don't know how many times I see somebody and, and you know, I, I go, oh, when I see him because I, I see their need. I, I see what they're struggling with. I see a need in their life. And all of a sudden, compassion comes up. Well, a thought may come up, should I pray for that person, whether directly or indirectly? You know, a lot of the manifestations of love that the Lord leads us to do is that person doesn't even know you're doing it. It's called intercessory prayer. Well, should I pray for that person? Let me judge that leading. Should I pray for them? Well, I judge it by love. Of course. If that comes up, if that comes to my thought, that's a leading of the Lord. And I can begin praying for them without even getting to know them or talking to them face to face. Remember Jesus over there in Mark chapter 9, he had a time where he saw the multitudes. Well, he saw them in prayer. And it says that he was moved with compassion upon them because they were scattered, they were lost, they didn't have a shepherd. Well, he didn't talk to the multitudes. He prayed for the multitudes. See, when he was moved in that compassion to do something, understand the difference between compassion and sympathy is sympathy doesn't do nothing. It's just an emotion. Oh, But compassion is led to do something. And many times for you and I, that means to pray for them. Just as 
Jesus did over there in Mark 9, somewhere around the 35th verse. And then he prayed that laborers would be sent to them. You can do that with someone you don't even know. In line, right there at Wally World. And you see a need that a person has. That's being led by love. Being led by seeing a need in a person's life. And the more that you and I do that, the more God is going to use us in, in, in a direct way. It's, it's like we were, this is a couple of years ago, we were in Village Inn and our uh, wait, waitress was limping, notably. You could tell she was kind of grimacing a little in pain. Well, my wife says, what's going on? And she shared that something was going on with her ankle and then she's, slight, uh, she's got this uh, surgery scheduled and, and, and Mary says, well, can we pray for you? And she says, yeah, okay. And so Mary prayed for her right there. She was being led by compassion. She was being uh, led by a love for this person, a concern for this person. She was moved by compassion. And she prayed for her. Well, we noticed the, the next time that, that we went in there that, that she, the, the limp was slightly there and found out that she decided not to get the surgery. And we saw her just the other morning on the 24th of December, and she's walking around just like normal. Because Mary Ann prayed for her. Amen? Well, how did that come about? She was led by compassion. She was moved by com compassion. That's being led by the Spirit. See, we get this idea that being led by the Spirit is like this. Ooh, thing, you know? Ooh, I'm getting led by the Spirit of God. No, it, it's, it's a natural function of communicating with God with our spirit. And from our spirit comes illumination to our mind because that's where your will is. The spirit cannot operate without permission of our will. God doesn't just grab us and contradict our will and make us do something. So in order for us to be led by the Spirit, that witness and the, under, the knowing of that witness will come up to our mind so we can say, yes, I'm going to do that. Or no, I'm not going to do that. And that's why we use these witnesses, these four witnesses that God is giving us, so we can judge whether that's from the Lord or not. Amen? But if we would be more sensitive as being led by love, we, we'd be doing a whole lot more for the Lord. Now, we use the love of God as a witness. Now, here, let me get it, to, let me get it directly to you. Let's get it down where we live. Go to Romans chapter 13. Romans chapter 13, verse 8. I'm reading from the Christian Standard Bible. Um, Sharon has it up in the King James. It'll be a little bit of a contradiction. In verse 8, it says, Do not owe anyone anything except. 
So he says, don't come under the control of someone because you owe them something, but instead, owe them the love of God. He says, except to love one another. And he clarifies this. this. This is really coming in agreement with what Jesus said in John chapter 13, I believe it's thir- verses 34 and 35, when he says, A new commandment I give unto you, as you love one another as I have loved you. He says that when you love one another, you fulfill the law. Now, the law is the law of Moses, the, the law of Moses and the prophets is fulfilling what the Israelites tried to fulfill in the Old Testament. See, the old relationship with God was based upon man's performance and his works. New covenant, obviously, is that we're judged by what Jesus did for us through grace. Now, he says that if you, if you love one another... You won't kill them. So you're fulfilling that law of the Old Testament. If you love someone, you're not, you'll not steal from them. If you love someone, you're not going to bear false witness against them. Do you see how walking in love fulfills all of the law and the prophets? Amen. Now... And then he lists the commandments, do not commit adultery, do not murder, don't steal, don't covet, and whatever other commandment. And it's all the commandments and the obedience to them is summed up by this, love your neighbor as yourself. Do what? Love your neighbor as who? Yourself. So you would never murder yourself. You would never do all these nasty things that the law tells you not to do if it would hurt you personally. So why would you hurt someone else? Now, here's what I want you to see. Verse 10. Love, the God kind of love, does no wrong, no wrong to a neighbor. So understand that God will never direct you to do an act to do an act that is in ill will or that will do anything wrong to someone else. Now see, you've heard people say some really crazy things that God told me to do such and such. And yet what they were saying that the Lord was leading them to do was going to hurt someone else. Now, this is extreme. This is an extreme example. But I think it'll help to get an understanding of what I'm talking about. This, This one man who was married went to the pastor and said, I want you to agree with me in prayer. And he says, okay, what what do you want me to pray? He says, well, the Lord told me to divorce my wife and to marry this other woman in the church. Now listen to me. He said, God told him 
to divorce his wife and marry someone else's wife, which means they would have to get in a divorce. So he's blowing up two families, and he's blaming it on God. God's leading me to do this, so pray with me, pastor, that this will happen. Well, how do you know that that doesn't pass the sniff test? How do you know that God's not leading anybody? Because not only is he going to hurt his current wife, and if they have any children, but then he's also going to destroy the, the family of another. God would never do that. He would never lead us to do that. Right? So when you get a leading like that, like, I'm going to go tell this person off. I think the Lord's leading me to go and just square off with them and chew them out. You really think God's leading you to do that? That doesn't, that, you know, that's ill will towards that person. That's what Jesus was saying when someone slaps you on the cheek to give him the other. He's not saying that if someone hits you that you can't defend yourself. That's not what he's talking. He's giving us an example when someone offends you, don't retaliate by offending them. That's not being led by the Spirit. Hallelujah. So God will never direct us to do anything wrong to anyone. That includes our spouse. That includes our children. That includes a co-worker. That includes a neighbor. That includes a guy that cuts you off in traffic. He's not leading you to give that person a gesture. Or to GD them. Asking God to damn somebody. Guess what? He's not damning anybody. He sent Jesus so we wouldn't be damned. Amen. Does that make sense? And so when we begin allowing the love of God to be a witness and to help us, whether he's leading us to do something, how many know that, that that's going to eliminate a lot of questions in our mind? Is God leading me to do this? Well, it's obvious he's not if it's not in love. Not if it has ill will towards somebody. Amen. Real common sense stuff, but we have to say it out loud. And I wish I heard this 40 years ago. Could have saved me a lot of uh, mistakes I was making. Hallelujah. All right. Did anybody get something from that? Anybody here get anything from that? How about you? Did you get anything from that? Mr. Cameraman is raising his hand. You got something from that? Glory to God. Witness number four. And this is going to take some time, so we won't finish it tonight. Now, we're talking about being led by the Spirit and something that we begin considering with our mind and we're trying to decide, is that coming from our heart or is that coming from elsewhere? And so we have these confirmations to help us to decide, right? We have the Holy Spirit. We've got the Word of God. We've got the love of God. And now we have principle number four is that the Holy Spirit will always direct us in following kingdom principles. Now, if I would ask each of us tonight what are kingdom principles, I'm not sure that myself or you would answer correctly. So let's let the Bible tell us. Let's go on over to Romans chapter 14. 
verse 17. What are kingdom principles, and how can we use these principles to be a witness to whether the Lord is leading us to do something or not? Romans chapter 14, verse 17. Romans 14, 17. It says that for the kingdom of God. Now, you understand that each one of us have been born into God's kingdom. We are now a part of a spiritual kingdom with God. We were in the kingdom of the world, but Jesus delivered us from that kingdom through a spiritual birth, and you and I have been born into God's kingdom. Hallelujah. You have no perception of it with your senses. And that's because it's a spiritual kingdom. It's not a natural kingdom. That's where the followers of Jesus during his earthly ministry missed it by a country mile because they thought Jesus was going to establish a natural physical kingdom and uh, deliver them from the Roman Empire. But no, Jesus came to be in us, to establish a spiritual kingdom in us. Now, this kingdom of God that we're currently living in, we're now a resident of it, it's not eating or drinking. So God's kingdom is spiritual, so it's not a natural kingdom where you would eat or drink. Does that make sense? He's contrasting something that is spiritual to something is not, which is physical. What are these spiritual attributes or principles that we've been born in? It says that God's kingdom is righteousness, God's kingdom is peace, and God's kingdom is joy in the Holy Spirit. Now, these are three areas of kingdom principles, kingdom attitudes, kingdom perceptions. Now, why are these three godly principles important in being led by the Spirit? Look at verse 18. It says that whoever serves Christ in this way, that's talking about these three above principles. You serve Christ in righteousness. You serve Christ in peace. You serve Christ in what? Joy. Hallelujah. So if you serve Christ in these three principles, then what you're doing in serving him is what? Acceptable to God. and approved by men. So, in being led by the Spirit, he'll never lead us in something that does not embrace God's righteousness, and it, he won't lead you in a way that it doesn't produce godly peace and will not produce joy. Now, understand that these principles will be manifested on the inside. Remember, God's kingdom is spiritual. 
So God's leadings will always agree or produce these principles, or could I say godly emotions, by following godly leadings. So when you're following a leading that's from God, it's going to produce righteousness. It's going to produce peace, and it's going to produce joy. And we'll, we'll talk about this so you understand what, what he's saying. So let's talk about using these principles as a witness to whether a leading is from the Lord. So let's first use righteousness. And this is going to be very similar to the following God's love, witness number three. All right. Understand that there are two types of righteousness. The Bible, let me clarify this, the New Testament describes two types of righteousness. The first kind of righteousness is what we mostly talk about, and that's the nature of our spirit by virtue of a spiritual birth through Christ. Over in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21, says that he that knew no sin became sin that we might be made the righteousness of God in Christ. This righteousness is an impartation or us receiving the nature of righteousness from God. You as a born-again believer, right now, present tense and forever, you are the righteousness of God in Christ your spirit is righteous, meaning that God has given you his righteousness. And that's why you can have a relationship with him. We are the righteous, and that will never change because you were born that way. That's by virtue of a spiritual birth. You cannot, you cannot lose the nature of righteousness that you've been given through being born again. Your behavior doesn't determine the nature of your spirit. Your spiritual birth has determined that. Any more than a child of two parents can't change the fact that he's a child of those parents through his behavior. Because he was born their child. And behavior doesn't change that, nor does our behavior change our standing with God when that righteousness is imparted to our spirit. Now, you may lose the sense of it if you're out of sorts with God, right? Like if you disobey a parent, you know, you're, you don't want to get around them because you know that you did wrong. And you're certainly not going to go ask if you can sleep over with Johnny tonight because you know they're going to say no. You're in a place of disobedience. <laughs> and it's the same way with the things of God. You can't lose your spiritual righteousness you can just hinder its ability in your relationship with God. And that's what forgiveness is all about. Now, the other kind of righteousness is the behavior of a Christian. The first righteousness is your nature that God gave you through the new birth. The other kind of righteousness is something we establish. It has to do with our behavior or better known as good works. 
good works are righteous acts or righteousness. It's righteous behavior, godlike behavior. So that's the other definition of that word righteousness. We see it very clearly in Ephesians 2, 8. For you are saved, how? By grace. How did grace, how did I allow grace to be a part of my life? It's through faith. I received it by faith. And this grace and this faith and this salvation is not of ourselves. It is a gift. It's God's given gift to us. And then in verse 9, it says, not from works or not from righteous behavior. Our salvation is not because of righteous behavior. Least any man should boast. So this is, this not from works is talking about the righteousness that we're discussing now. It says it also in Titus chapter 3, verse 4. Titus 3, 4. This is really a good scripture that we don't use very much. But maybe that'll change. But when the goodness of God and his love for mankind appeared, he saved us. Not by works of righteousness. So this verse of scripture is very similar to Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. Not of works of righteousness that we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us by the washing of regeneration and renewal by the Holy Spirit. So understand that every leading from God will direct us to do what is right in God's sight. Now see, there's a lot going on in the last 20 years that says that you can act, a Christian can act any way that he wants because God's already paid the price for your sin, so you can just go out there and God's grace will be extended to you. That's a bunch of religious dribble. Amen. That's man-made religion to get a bunch of people to come into a church that don't have any accountability before God. And it's sad. That churches are about numbers and not about truth. We are required to live a holy life. We are required by God to walk in a righteous manner. We're to follow Jesus Christ. Amen. He's the author and the finisher of our life. We're to follow the word of God. Now, we can't improve our righteousness with acts of righteousness any more than I can be more of a son to Bob and Ruth by being a goody two-shoes. But what my acts of righteousness do is benefit those around me because I'm displaying the life and the love of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Now, we're talking about being able to confirm a leading as to whether that is a righteous, a godly, righteous thing to do. And I'll make it abundantly clear to you here in a second. I want you to go to Isaiah chapter 45. 
Isaiah 45, we're just about to the end. Can you give me a couple more minutes? Yes. When I say a couple, that means until I'm done. <laughs> I'm sorry, but I'm being honest. I, I really want to get this done so we can go into the next two next time. So every leading from God will direct you and I to do what is right in God's sight, not in my sight. What's right in my sight might be to punch someone in the nose. But that's not right in God's sight. So we need to judge what we feel is a leading from God. Okay, here I go. He says, I have not, this is the Lord speaking, Isaiah 45, 19. He says, I have not spoken in secret. Meaning what God has decreed, what God has said, his ways are widely broadcast. He didn't speak to us in a dark place on the earth. He didn't say to the seed of Jacob, seek me in vain or seek me and you'll never find me. No. He says, I am the Lord. And look what he speaks. What does he speak? Righteousness. And that also means right living in his sight. Notice he's speaking here. I speak righteousness. When you're being led by the Spirit of God, he's speaking to us personally, so he will lead us in ways of righteousness or in ways of God doing right on the earth. And I'm telling you, this will wipe out a lot of craziness in the body of Christ when they say, God told me to do this, and they do something horrific and horrible. And God would never do that. So why would God lead a man to do that? Amen. Now, so God is going to speak that which is right. He says, I speak righteousness, I declare, I disclose, I reveal the things that are right. That should be abundantly clear to us. So his leadings will declare and lead us into things that are right. Right in his sight. Now, that means that God will always speak to you things which are right in his eyes. Every time that you think about doing something that's right in God's eyes, he's leading you. If it's the right thing to do, in God's eyes, you're being led. If a thought comes up that is right, something to do that is right, guess what? God's leading you. That's, per, that's pretty broad. broad. You see, sometimes we have this idea that God's going to lead us just in the times that we really got to hear from him. No, he's leading us all day long. You know, some, a co-worker, you know, does something that just irritates you, just chaps your hide, and a thought comes to do this. Well, is, is, that, is that doing right? Probably doing right, right there would be to pray for one or her. That would be right in God's eyes. Pray for those that despitefully use you. You also have a witness of a scripture. So you can start putting all these witnesses together, and then once you... 
connect the dots, you act on it. Don't wait for a, a vision. Don't wait for a feeling. Don't wait for all these things that we used to wait for. Just, just that comes up and it's right and it's in love and it's according to the word. Boom! Go! Do it. Now, I want you to judge this thought. This is a thought that, that came to me. God is leading me to rob a bank so I can pay off the church mortgage. Now, we laugh. I'm laughing with you. But you've had thoughts like that. To break the law to get something good to happen? Come on now, let's be honest tonight. The Lord is leading me to blow up an abortion clinic because killing babies is breaking God's law. And God is commissioning me to be an arm of his judgment and I'm going to blow up that abortion clinic. Is God leading me to do that? No, that's not right. Did you ever notice in anything that Jesus did during his earthly ministry? And evil, it was just as evil then as, as the world is evil today. There was a lot of junk going on. Right? Did you ever see Jesus, other than chasing the guys out of God's temple? That's a little different. But other than that, did you see him judging anybody? Why did, even when they came to take him and in falsely accusing him, he says, I could just call upon all sorts of angels right now and wipe this whole army right out. Boom, it'd be done. But he didn't do it because it wasn't right in God's sight. You see how I could have saved myself from a lot of mistakes? Because we, we think that the, the means justifies the end. Or I should say the end justifies the means. As long as what I do produces something good, then it doesn't matter what I do to get it. Now that's what politicians think not Christians. We don't do something dishonest to produce something honest. We don't do something unrighteous to create that which is righteous. Does that make sense? So in the sight of God, the end, the results of our actions, doesn't justify the means, what we have to do to get what is righteous. Does that make sense? And when we judge leadings by righteousness, it pretty much eliminates a lot of mistakes we would make. A lot of mistakes that I would make. And that would include in, in, in family decisions. Marital decisions. Relational decisions. 
A lot of times we're reactionary, and this is where I miss it. You know, I, I go on an emotional decision. But if I would have taken the time to judge whether that was a righteous act or not, I would have had an opportunity to, to use restraint. Th does that make sense? So this little portion of Revelation is helping me even right now in something that I did like three days ago. That I could have acted in, in a pure, righteous manner instead of one that was muddled up with an emotional decision. Amen. So we'll get into the rest of these kingdom principles, okay? Next time we still have to look at what? We have to look at peace and we have to look at joy. And I know tonight a lot of this was kind of in our face, but you know, if something is in our face, it's an area that we need to grow in. I know <laughs> it, it was just as much in my face this morning, or excuse me, tonight, that, that probably it might have been with you. But you know, how many of you know that whom the Lord loves, he corrects. Whom the Lord loves, he chases. Amen? And so I, I guess I needed this tonight. So Father, we want to thank you for this word tonight. I thank you that you've given us safeguards to judge and to get confirmations, whether something that, that we perceive is coming from our heart, this leading is from you or not. And I thank you that as we, as we the, these high-risk decisions, we, we can take our time and we can judge these things and, and we can get it right. And we'll not make mistakes. We'll not have to be putting out a bunch of fires because we did something you know, outside of what you had for us to do. But Lord, we can walk, we can walk in such a way, Lord, that we'll be on your path will be on the fast track to that which you have for us in the way of blessings upon this earth and that will be more of a benefit a greater benefit to those around us we thank you for it in jesus name everyone said amen, amen. thanks for coming out tonight i do love you and i do want god's best for you amen we'll see you next time